Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Real Life Real Crime Daily for Friday, March 31st. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Happy Friday to everyone. Happy Friday. TGIF Friday. TGIF. Um, we are going to start TGIF off on a bit of a somber note, yeah. but promise you by the time we get to the end of the episode, we're going to have you chuckling along with us because we we all need to find ways to smile when the world is so upside down. I agree. I agree. And y'all, we brought it to you on the last episode of Real Life Real Crime Daily about um, – the two Baton Rouge police officers, the helicopter pilots, uh, Corporal Scotty Canizero and, of course, Sergeant David Poirier being tragically killed in a helicopter crash when they were um, helping assist in a pursuit and that went into West Baton Rouge Parish when yesterday and they brought their bodies home. Or the, I would say this. They were separated for the first time since they arrived to take off in the helicopter that night. And what happens in processes like this is all state police, every cop, every fire department, everyone, um, they escort the bodies back. And, and um, Corporal Scott Canizero was taken to the location in Baton Rouge and Sergeant David Poirier was brought home here to Denham Springs, uh, um, and what they do, they they shut down the interstates and the routes, and people pull over, and it, it's so they make you cry. You see little kids on the side of the road, and they salute, and, and uh, the f- big flags are flying, and and heroes were brought home um, to the the places, the the funeral homes where the the memorial service is going to be held and again our hearts go out to the families um and 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 everybody who knew them loved them we lost true heroes everyday heroes that you never even think about until something tragic like <clears throat> something tragic like this happens and um we just pray for them and 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 the law enforcement family which is probably tighter than most people's families are. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say, y'all. Yeah, they had, as Woody said, they, you know, split them up kind of for the first time, and they were being brought to two separate uh, funeral homes. Uh, Mr. Poirier was brought to the SEAL funeral home in Denham Springs, and they had a procession that uh that was just you know you're in awe of and 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 you you never want to see those type of processions but uh it was a a beautiful tribute 
to to that fallen officer. Yeah, to both of them, right? And um, I don't know. It's you know some all give some, some give all, right? And and, and you know, I think where you the, this country would be if they didn't have that thin blue line separating evil from good. Amen. Rest in peace, brothers. Are we, Woody, have we learned anything yet? Yeah, about- and I've learned a lot of stuff, and and I, I think just until the funerals are done, I'd I put the fire, let's concentrate on the, the, the their lives. And, and I, I'll tell you one thing, that the Baton Rouge City has suspended nighttime operations of uh, helicopters, even though they only have one left. Uh, until further investigation and all that, but that's that's how it's going to be. More stuff will come out, and but I think right now it's appropriate to focus on these heroes and the families and the loved ones and everybody that knew them that's hurting, and the fact that we lost two career law enforcement professionals who literally gave their lives protecting us. Amen. Rest in peace. All right, so y'all, then now we're going to go to the other story we brought you, and everybody knows about this, um, the latest on the Nashville school shooting. It's, uh, it's a day after the Christian school shooting that rocked the city of Nashville. New details began to emerge regarding the 28-year-old shooter and the heroic response from police officers on the scene. Nashville Police Chief John Drake speculated she went to that actual school, and so there's some belief that there was some resentment for having to go to that school, and that's why this incident occurred. Uh, they have new surveillance footage that shows the shooter approaching the Covenant School at around 10.15 Monday morning in camo pants and a military-style vest with multiple guns on her person. She then shoots through the glass side doors and calmly crawls through into the school. At that point, she begins wandering around, appearing to look for victims. On Tuesday, police also released body cam footage from Nashville Hero Police Officers Rex Engelbert and Michael Calazzo. The shooter, you know the story. You've seen it by now. I'm sure some of you have seen the body cam uh, footage of the incident and uh, eventually uh, the response of the police department, the Nashville Metro police is, you know, what made this situation avoided this situation being much worse Uh, as, as horrible and as tragic as it already was. It could have been much worse with the amount of guns that this person had and those sorts of things. So the police response, if you saw the body cam footage, was absolutely amazing. Uh, I was in awe of it. Y'all, these officers were running towards gunfire. There was no hesitation. And I would heard, uh, you know, and seen some chatter on the social media about, well, they learned something from the Uvalde incident and all of that sort of stuff. Let me tell you. Uh, definitely everybody learned something from that, but these officers, 
I think if they would have been in Uvalde, Uvalde wouldn't have been anywhere Absolutely. near as bad as it was. Uh, these guys were absolute heroes. If you can, if you cannot watch that with out getting chills, you are not living. It is absolutely unbelievable. Their heroic effort when they heard the gunshots and look, these are, are massive weapons. You're in a school with alarms going off and you're hearing gunshots that are echoing throughout a school. Everything's, you know, echoed times 10 in those schools and they hear that and they start saying run towards it wow yeah and that's how they're trained now to to go to the threat and eliminate it and so you know this person's in there killing people and you know you're going to kill or be killed what what was the event that changed the procedures was it after it it was uh sandy hook it was after Sandy. I did. We did the first training here at um, North Corbin Elementary when it was empty and it was a new school. And I'll never forget because uh, before that, we would respond to an active shooter and uh, surround the building and get the hostage negotiators and all that. But because of the mass killings that they were able to do during that time at, at Sandy Hook, that we had to rethink the process and come up with new policies. And there's so many different things that will never be released to the public that even the educators and the students are trained on and things that are doing signals and different types of things. But the main thing is go in. Now, you get remember, in, like even in this case, a lot of times you're, you're going to be um, walking past dead bodies. And, and but you got to put that out of your head and go to the threat. And I'm going to tell you this: there's there's cops out there who need that badge to feel like a man, right? A guy that pulls you over and lectures you 30 minutes for they write you a ticket. And that's the that same cop. And I've had it happen to me. Been responding to, <clears throat> excuse me, responding to shots fired, and I've seen cops pull over. And, and let me pass them so I can get there first because they're scared. Hmm. You know, but these guys weren't scared. And all of that, because of the timing of Sandy Hook, right. precedes Parkland, precedes uh, uh, Uvalde. And so, right. you know, in those moments, we saw cops You see freeze, the true character. Freeze uh, uh, with uh, fear. You, so you see the ones that need the badge to feel like a man. And, and when the shit goes down, the sugar turns to shit you see the true character come out. Yeah. And, and these guys with the, with the body cam uh, footage, I mean, there's not a, there's not a moment of hesitation. Not, not a, a moment. And Mike, when I was watching this, uh, there was two commanding officers in, in particular that were unbelievably well-trained to the point that I knew right off the bat. I'm like, these guys are military. These guys spent a lot of time in special forces or something. I mean, one of them, uh, you know, he had total command of his, of his unit and he, to the point that he would push them, he would, he would push them, you know, uh, but I mean, speed, personified how they were checking those rooms and going in and out of them. And, and that is um, you, you play the way you practice. They, you, they train on it several times a year now, each department and the, uh, and 
police departments have been shamed somewhat now for using military tactics, but they're not, they're more ashamed in this case. Right? I, I submit to you that had had military tactics and the w- training of these individuals been less than what it was, uh, I submit to you that we would have had a lot more people dead in that school. Oh, yeah. You are my heroes, gentlemen. Thank you. Yes. I mean, there's no – she had – 96 rounds between the three guns. Yeah. So, and, and that's what I was guessing. Guess another day, two 40 round mags and, and 16 in the pistol. So, give her another 10 minutes in yeah. the building, right. and we could be talking 20, 30, 40. Or more, right? More. Um, so, you, hey, some uh, that high powered rifles, and you, you know, we're in the room, and I shoot. Through Jim and you're behind him, it's going to get you too. It could have been 160. So the the families of all but uh, obviously three students. Yes, the hearts hearts go out to those those victims, the students, and the other people who were killed. Absolutely, and uh, and you know after I saw this video and and uh, just was blown away by and impressed by these. Heroes, I, I want to learn a little more about them, and I want to tell you all a little more about the, and especially the two commanding officers uh, uh, in this in this story. And so, I'm going to tell you about uh, about those guys. So, you have Michael Colazzo and Rex Engelbert, and they're credited uh, for being the leaders of their units that went into that school. Engelbert is a four-year veteran of the police force. He grew up on the north side of Chicago. Uh, He has three brothers and a sister. He was one of the first officers on the scene after the female shooter shot her way into the building. It was Engelbert's body cam footage that shows the officer quickly grabbing a rifle from the back of his squad car upon arriving And once in the building, as we said, he directed the team towards the shooter. After clearing the first floor, Engelbert is heard telling his partners that it sounded like the shooter is upstairs. Engelbert and his team of officers raced to the second floor and ran down the hallway as gunfire is heard, y'all. At the end of the hallway, Engelbert peered around the corner where the shooter was standing and fired multiple shots, dropping her to the ground. Uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, don't cry for me, Argentina. Now, uh, his older brother was interviewed and said as an older brother, I'm proud of him as I can be and as happy, uh, you know, that he's okay. This is the selfish part of me, of course, thinks, I hope my brother's not there. The practical part of me thinks and has confidence in that if my brother's there, his training and fortitude would be forthcoming. Absolutely. Engelbert received a commendation for his precision policing last week after he helped recover meth, fentanyl, stolen handgun, and nearly two dozen stolen credit cards, along with arresting two dangerous felons. Uh, Colazzo, a 31-year-old Marine Corps veteran, former firefighter, and former SWAT team paramedic, he was born and raised in Nashville and joined the Marines after graduating high school. Colazzo, who is the father of a young girl, moved in on the shooter after she was initially shot by Engelbert. Body cam footage from Colazzo, which is a nine-year veteran of the Metro Nashville Police, and one of the other officers approaching the shooter 
can be heard yelling at her to stop moving after she was shot. Colazzo then fired more shots at her after she dropped to the ground as she continued to move and clung to the gun. Colazzo and the other officer finally reached a shooter's body, telling her to get your hands away from the gun before Colazzo moved the firearms out of reach. He was also one of the officers that responded to a bombing in downtown Nashville on Christmas Day in 2020. Uh, He's obviously very brave, braver than I ever imagined, his sister was quoted as saying. He really loves his job. When I sit and think about all the training and all the different classes that he does and all the family events he's had to miss because of training or leaving to go through training, it really does pay off. Right. And, hey, they they could have just as easily been murdered also. Yeah. 100%. And heroes. You know what? That's what people need to remember about cops. There's good and bad in every profession, like I told you, like the ones that need the badge to feel like a man. But what about the ones who get up, put on that uniform every day, not knowing what they're going to encounter, not knowing if they're coming home. And you know what? You get, they have to see it all. The carnage. I mean, the, the I've seen dead kids, and, and I can see them right now. Everyone ever worked in my mind. That's something that they were going to carry for the rest of their lives. Right. And, you know, one more thing on this subject before we before we move on to the next aspect of this is that I want to say is, you know, Woody, earlier in this podcast, we're talking about some fallen officers. And, right. and there's some things, there's some questions out there that need to be maybe addressed at some point. But now is not the time, right? right, right. And that's exactly right. the way Woody put it. And you can't put it any better than that. Um, and so there was an incident that occurred and it absolutely infuriated me. And, uh, it, you know, sometimes there's a time and a place for things and this was not it. And Fox news was out there. They were covering this obviously. And a lady thought that this would be a good time to interrupt. This is at the scene of the shooting interrupt what's going on to start promoting gun control. And so I'm going to play a clip for you real quick. And this is just the clip of the lady interrupting Fox News live on the air uh, at the scene. While the bodies are still on the ground. While the bodies are still on the ground to promote basically a platform of this is why we don't need guns in this country. And the the gun smoke's probably still in the hallways. Yeah, so it's just disgusting, and there's a time and a place, and that's not it. Everybody has a right to their opinion. That's what makes this country great, but this ain't the time to to put that there. But we're going to play it for you and and get your thoughts on that, and and so it's right here. Aren't you guys tired of covering this? Aren't you guys tired of being here and having to cover all of these mass shootings? I'm from Highland Park family vacation with my son visiting my sister-in-law. I have been lobbying in D.C. since we survived a mass shooting in July. I have met with over 130 lawmakers. How is this still happening? How are our children still dying and why are we failing them? Gun violence is the number one killer of children and teens. It has overtaken cars. Assault weapons are contributing to the border crisis and fentanyl. We are arming cartels with our guns and our loose gun laws. And these shootings and these mass shootings will continue to happen until our lawmakers step up and pass gun safety legislation. I'm pretty sure this was an unsecured weapon that this teenager got a hold of. 
We can't even pass gun safety, like safe storage laws in this country to protect kids from getting a hold of weapons. Now, what you just heard was someone that, in my opinion, picked absolutely the wrong time to say anything. But besides that, because she interjected my opinion, I just want to interject mine real quick. I don't think any of this is a gun problem. I think this is a mental health problem. Hey. And these people are crazy. Sorry, Woody. Okay. Okay. Before she said what she said, the president of the United States, the speaker on behalf of the president, all these people made the same move. They always did. They took the moment to, to exercise an agenda. And I couldn't agree with you more, but uh, but if you're going to take the lead on something like that from anywhere, you're going to take it from our leaders. And when the president of the United States is joking about ice cream and laughing before addressing a room when he already knows about this tragedy and immediately going uh, to – uh, to uh, gun restrictions and and yeah. uh, uh, legislation. I mean, it just it's, it happens every it's time on one of these mass shootings. And I think every one of those people should be, if there was a way to do it, should be made to respond to one of these mass shootings like these hero officers did. And let me tell you some people, guns don't kill people. People kill people, and if you take the guns away, they'll kill them with knives or bombs or whatever. Look, look in China, look in England. You know, look right, at the Oklahoma uh, bombing yeah, that was whatever, done with right, fertilizer, right? And it, 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 a lot keeps an honest man honest. If a person, especially um, mental health issues, wants to kill somebody, they're going to do it. It doesn't. That's not the time nor the place. It's always going to come up because of these people and I'm not I don't want to get political but because of these people but these people are like recess no class everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, I want to talk about one other, uh, one other hero. Yeah. I mentioned in our uh, last episode that I knew I recognized the name, Catherine Kuntz, when I saw it. Yeah. And I immediately looked at her age and saw she was 60 and uh, that would have Rest matched in, what in peace. that would have matched what was in my head about uh, about at least knowing someone. This is a long time ago at at Vanderbilt back in the uh, back in the 80s. And then, you know, I was able to do some searches and, and confirm uh, that it was uh, it was the Catherine Kuntz from Vanderbilt that I remembered, who, by the way, is a. Uh, a Baton Rouge native. Right. She's another individual who took her position of leadership and responsibility and found the courage to run toward the danger. Right. I'm just going to read one really quick um, 
a quote from a guy by the name of Russ Pulley, who is a, a member of the Nashville City Council and a former FBI agent. And this is what he said about Catherine Kuntz and uh, the rest of the school staff that acted heroically that day. He said, quote, the headmaster, Dr. Kuntz, upon hearing the first shots, ran towards the danger. She also made sure the school was prepared with active shooter training and protocols. Those actions saved countless lives. This is what he put in a post the other day. And so uh, absolutely the heroism of the, uh, of the officers saved tens of, uh, of children and uh, other administrators, teachers, but the, the heroism of of this leader to yes. uh, to run toward the danger. Yes. Her and uh, anybody else that responded. And her and anybody else that that their training kicked in. But all, you know what? Your training, you could train all you want to. You still got to have it inside of you to be that special person to follow Amen. out. It's like you saw in Uvalde or whatever when um, the cops are hiding and shit like that. You're a hundred percent accurate, Woody. And look. Uh, the Parkland shootings, the coward from Broward, you can go look at him on YouTube right now. And you got 17 kids getting assassinated in that school. And the, the SRO for that school is hiding behind a brick wall. And, 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 uh, it's just so disturbing, so disturbing. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm no different. Woody's no different. Mike's no different than anybody else. In that we're tired of seeing these kids getting killed right. uh, senselessly like this. It, it hurts our heart. Every single one of us has kids. Right. Um, we've got to find an answer. But the, anybody who thinks the answer is is getting rid of guns is missing the whole picture. Yeah, outlaw guns and only it's only outlaws will have them. Right, right. Outlaw guns and only outlaws will have them. Yeah. Well, look, it's it's an extremely complicated, nuanced set of issues. But yeah. we are really the only country in the world that is experiencing these things, right? So, um, you know, we know from data around the world that that's true. So, you know, what is happening that is unique in the United States that is you know, creating the kind of environment where these things happen. The guns existed long before these things started happening. Um, It's clearly not the reason these things happen. Um, Are there potentially some things that might make sense? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. It's certainly not taking uh, the Second Amendment off the table. Uh, I think there's a a lot of other, again, Things that uh, that are complicating factors. Last night, I'm uh, I'm in my house and I've got my entire family around me. We're all in the same room, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I looked around, and every single one of us had our heads in our phones. We weren't talking to each other. We weren't paying any attention to each other. There was no family conversation about anything. You know, we've got all this stuff going on in uh, in Washington right now with the, you know, do we kick uh, TikTok out of the United States? Do we uh, do we pass a, a more holistic set of laws uh, eliminating a lot of the data tracking capabilities? You had uh, hundreds of uh, top technologists in the 
across the world come out with a uh, a letter looking for a six-month stoppage of work on AI because of all of the concerns about what that technology is going to bring. There was a study that the the Wall Street Journal released on Monday. I mean, think about the the timing of releasing hey, uh, releasing this. These study. are the things you're reading. I wonder what your kids were reading. Right. Right. And, and uh, I'm not to cut you off, but it's the same thing. Uh, I mean, I can sit in the room with my kids and my wife, and we're all doing the same thing. Right. And everybody wants to blame the kids. Yeah. Oh, it's but my it's fault, our, too. It's I, our fault, too. I absolutely agree. We, we've become I, as dependent the, the, on these things the, as that maybe we're not spending our time on right. Instagram and TikTok. Right. We'd like to think we're doing more useful things with the device, but uh, but it's cut so deeply into the time where we're telling stories and instilling values and checking on homework and asking about things going on at school and I, relationships and, and, with friends and you know, all I, kinds of I other am, things. I am absolutely at fault while my almost 13 year old, you know, uh, letting him gain more than he should and stuff like that. And, and he comes out of his room and sits with him for a few minutes and I feel blessed, but then, I'm busy. Yeah. Yeah, I get it, man. I get what you're saying. I think everybody gets it. They, 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 think they so. think, well, this they this this study put some of this in perspective for me. So this study found that 38% of Americans today say patriotism is very important to them. That number was 70% back in 1998. 39% of Americans say religion is very important to them. That number was 62% back in 1998. 30% said raising children was very important to them. That number was 59% back in 1998. Only 27% of people said involvement in their community was important, was very important, excuse me. Mm -hmm. That number was down from 62% just back in 2019. Those are crazy. A belief in tolerance for others is deemed very important by 58% of Americans as opposed to 80% just four years ago. And I think that is a huge one, the tolerance for others. it, It used to be different points of view about culture, social issues, laws, you, you name it, uh, that we could have civil discourse with our neighbors about those things and uh, and uh, happily drink a beer together while we were doing it, uh, or uh, a dinner with friends that you know might be another couple that uh, that different. We we all shared our views pretty openly and respected the views of uh, of others, and it has become so polarizing in this country and. I'm not blaming either side because it's everybody's fault that we're where we are. But if, you know, if we don't stop the, uh, the, the momentum in this thing, that is, uh, that is pulling everyone closer to the pole that they, uh, that they favor, uh, there's very, very bad outcomes from these things. And, you know, I, I, when this story first, uh, first broke and, uh, I've mentioned it before. This is not a plug. It's for context. But uh, I do a, a series with a journalist by the name of John Ziegler called The Death of Journalism. And, 
you know, we've over the the time that we've worked together uh, gotten a really uh, clear understanding of what stories are going to get traction and which stories aren't going to get going to get traction. And when this story broke, you know, I, I knew, oh, it's you know, school shooting. Young kids have been killed. It's in a uh, uh, heavily Republican state. It's at a Christian school that all of these things meant it was going to be blown out or by the coverage, by the main right. street mainstream media. And then because this topic is so controversial now, right? Well, and then the police, right? Uh, only through questioning, uh, made it clear that the shooter was uh, a transgender, was a, a biological woman transitioning uh, to male and. Both John and myself said, well, that's it. The story's going away because they're, it, the media won't be able to paint this the way they want to. But just to, to show how big the divide has become, we were wrong. It, it did blow up because it blew up, one, over guns. You had the president immediately talking about, about guns instead of uh, everything that we just, we just talked about. And you had big outlets, major outlets that have somehow turned the shooter into the victim. Oh, that's bullshit. Blaming the state of the country, not uh, the lack of acceptance of uh, trans lifestyle. I mean, who's committing violence against trans? I, I, I don't. I don't see that. I follow the news religiously, and you just. I just and, don't see that, and so it doesn't have shit to do with it. That's a murdering bitch. That um, it didn't matter whether they were straight or trans or homosexual or whatever, Republican, well, Democrat, whatever. My point is when the news media on all sides puts their ratings ahead of the country, we're all in big effing trouble. That's why I don't watch any of that shit. Oh, it's, uh, it's why you only listen to real life for, real crime, life for daily. crime daily. And, and I have to read their articles and stuff like that. Doing you know, research for the episodes or coming up with stories that we think are important to y'all. But on this one, again, not the time to have the, the argument. Uh, I agree with you a thousand percent, Mike. I don't know if I had the answer, if anybody had the answer, then, you know, we, we wouldn't have the problem, right? Well, the, the, what this Wall Street Journal survey with the data in here, uh, if, if everyone in this uh, country looked at this and, and did a, a deep dive, because there's a lot more that's here. I mean, to me, what really struck me is uh, the individualism now, that everyone is out for themselves, the importance of family, the importance of community, the importance of tolerance, the importance of uh, of religion, or at least belief in something that creates a uh, a sense of morality in people, a reason to live your life a certain way. All of those things are escaping us, especially escaping. The younger generation. I didn't break out any of those stats I gave to you hey, demographically, but they not, fall it's, very it's, sharply. It's not escaping them. They they they've never had it. 
I can tell you in my lifetime, each once a time, each, you know, I used to go to high school with my shotguns and rifles in the truck, right? And oh, slowly over time, everything's changed. But it, that's it. We, we don't have an answer to it. And, and, and the world's gone to shit. The only question that showed appreciable growth in being very important from 1998 to now is, and that was consistent across uh, political, demographic, uh, uh, sexual orientation lines, was the importance of money. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That how motivated people are by money today versus where they were just a couple of decades ago. Well, and scary I, stuff. I got one thing to say before we wrap this story up. And Steve Jobs, who at the time that he passed away, was the richest man in the world. Steve Jobs on his deathbed, a few minutes, just literally a few minutes before he died, uh, he was asked, you know. What did you, you had this life, you had all this money. What, what's the key, man? And he said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, I had all the money to do everything I ever wanted to do. And as I'm lying here right now, and I know I'm going to die today, as I'm lying here, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. And that should make you think, man. We, you know, we we all get caught in that rat race, and I especially, uh, you know, have more than once had conversations with myself over that um, because driven people, it's very hard to step away from that because you feel like you're letting yourself down and everybody else around you. But family time is important. Fr- friends, all of that is important to – uh, society. I think it's important to people's mind frame, and I think that's what's we're lo- what we're losing. Here, here's the deal: the two Baton Rouge police officers that died. I bet their families are saying, "I wish I had one more second. I wish I'd have spent more time." 100%. And, and everybody else, uh, we've all lost someone, and and that's definitely. Super, super valid point, but back to the point of working so much and everything, it, I justify it to myself. Oh, well, especially when I was a homicide detective, stuff like that. It's every guaranteed a birthday or Christmas or whatever the blood was hitting the ground, you're getting called out. And it, I justified it as I'm doing this for my family. Yes. Right. So it is this. But y'all, we're going to quit that. This is not a, y'all know we, we're not a religious and political show and all that, but you know what? That, that's a very true three American males having a heart to heart. And I do think it's important. And, and, um, even on real life, real crime. Absolutely. Day, it's so, I agree. God bless them all. Thank you guys. God bless them all. And let's roll. Let's move to Murdaugh time. Oh my God. Here we go again. The gift that keeps on giving. Jelly of the moth. Okay, so we've been talking about the the Stephen Smith case now, and over the last few shows, uh, if you haven't been keeping up any other way than through uh, Real Life Real Crime Daily, you know that uh, 
His mother, Sandy, had written the uh, letter in 2016. You know that uh, she raised the GoFundMe to exhume the body. Uh, you know that we found out that, uh, that somehow, despite the fact that almost everyone involved at the time believed this was a homicide, it got ruled as an accident um, and that it was reclassified as a homicide and it's an active homicide investigation at this point. Well, um, here's some uh, here's some things that are going on right now. The family lawyer for the Smiths, a guy by the name of Eric Bland, uh, came out and declared that Stephen Smith's death should be viewed as a hate crime. He said they took a rape kit, which was brand new information. We've never seen that um, anywhere. They took a rape kit. And so it's, this is an openly gay 19-year-old kid. This isn't, you know, it's not New York City, California, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia. It's in low country, South Carolina, where being openly gay in 2015, you know, is probably still a, you know, taboo. Uh, South Carolina authorities have never declared, I mean, they just declared it a, a homicide, but they haven't declared it a hate crime. And they have surfaced up until this point. No suspects, at least they've named no suspects. Bland said, I believe it was a hate crime, meaning that it could be that a bunch of thug kids just decided, hey, we're going to beat up a gay kid today. Or it was somebody who felt that Stephen was going to out them uh, in their relationship or was uncomfortable with Stephen in their friendship. I think that's what we're going to find because Stephen had told his mother that he was, quote, dating somebody of prominence. Any, anybody yeah. anybody yeah. know anybody of prominence that he might have been dating? Buster. Smith, yeah. Smith was found dead uh, on July of 2015 in a dark road in Hampton County, three miles away from where his vehicle was we've talked about before, and he was really close to the Murdaugh estate. It was reported that Smith ran out of gas. We've talked about this on on prior episodes and uh, were convinced from the coverage that that was a true statement. Well, Bland disagrees. Bland says uh, he does not believe that Smith ran out of gas. In fact, he says he definitely didn't run out of gas. When asked if he believes that Smith was killed somewhere else and his car was placed at that location um, at where the authorities found it, Bland responded, I do. In an interview with Fox News, Bland laid it all out, and we want to play that for you. Here's what that sounded like. It's Stephen's time, and I think Sled is good enough to find out what happened. Because remember, for eight years she's saying, no, my son was was murdered somewhere else, he wasn't hit by a car, and everybody was saying, you know, some people were saying, look, lady, give it up. He was hit by a car. He was found in the middle of the highway. Sandy believes that he had relationships and was in a relationship with a very prominent person. There's a certain guarded nature down there in the low country or reticent about people speaking out at all against law enforcement or against the Myrtles. But now with that conviction of Alex and some of the citizens seeing the courageous people that came in that courtroom and put their hand up to tell the truth, 
Chief Keel thinks the timing is right for people to come forward. So as we've previously reported, during the investigation after Smith's death, the Murdoch names were mentioned dozens of times to possibly be connected with the death, but authorities never accused a Murdoch family member. They never questioned any Murdoch family members. You'll remember that week before last, Buster uh, Murdoch came out vehemently denying that he had anything to do with Smith's uh, death and asking the media to please leave him alone. Bland confirmed that a rape kit had been administered after Smith's death. And so uh, would he uh, just, why in the hell would a rape kit have been administered? I think because the, they already were looking at it as a possible homicide and in during the autopsy, um, they would have done anal swabs and vaginal swabs, et cetera, from, from a rape kit just as, as a precaution. And if, Buster's little spermies come up and then this guy's orifices, he's going to have some explaining to do. Correct. One of my old favorites, you guys remember Ashley Banfield back from her CNN days? Uh, negative. You don't remember Ashley Banfield? I, I don't watch this shit. Okay, but this is a long time ago. I actually didn't know she was uh, still working in the in the news. That she's working unless for, she was incredibly smoking hot like my wife. I wouldn't remember. Uh, she was. She must have cheated you after the last. <laughs> <episode>. <laughs> she was. Uh, she was like a sexy librarian hot. She was. Uh, you know, now I gotta look her up. Studious looking with the glasses and everything else. But but uh, she apparently own. has a show on on News Nation. But she interviewed a Corporal Michael Duncan, who was the former supervisor of the uh, South Carolina you, Highway Patrol. How do you spell Banfield? I'm having to spell Banfield in the middle of delivering this, folks. I apologize. I-E-L-D. Canadian-American She spells Ashley Strange. It's A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H. Images. Sorry. Ashley Banfield. For that interruption to what otherwise was Banfield Oh, I'm sorry. She would never do that. So, so this guy Duncan, who again, former supervisor of South Carolina Highway Patrol, Cindy, I need you to get some glasses like this. Told <laughs> Ashley Banfield that a rape kit was conducted on Smith, and that it represented the first time in Duncan's career that a rape kit was ordered in connection with a traffic incident. Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah, the. That's because he knew it wasn't a traffic accident. And uh, I guarantee you, every homicide he's ever had, they swabbed. Well, he went on and said, I did not have any understanding of why it was being ordered. So he. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, now, now I get it, right? Because somebody might have known the tie and it might have been the cover up in and whatever. Covering her ass, ace in the hole for a later day. Yep. Well, we're we're still waiting, folks, to hear about the timing of the uh, exhuming of Stephen Smith's body. So the money's been raised. The uh, independent uh, autopsy has uh, been arranged. I don't know what the administrative holdup is, but we're we're still waiting on that. And uh, you know, the real life, real crime uh, daily I team is trying to find out that scheduled date, and we'll let you know when uh, when we know. Uh, but in one last bit of Murdaugh news, the hunting lodge estate known as Moselle, where Alex killed Maggie and Papa. I'd never do anything to hurt Maggie and Papa. Just sold for $3.9 million. Yeah. Yeah. 
According to the deed of sale, the 1,700-acre property in Colleton County was sold to James A. Ayer and Jeffrey L. Godley, whoever those guys are. They've paid $3.9 million for the Moselle property. Proceeds from the sale will go to legal fees, to the family of Mallory Beach, the girl killed in the 2019 boating accident, and to Buster Murdoch. I don't know how exactly that got arranged, but it did. I don't either, and I promise you we're not bringing any more Murdoch or you won't see any more Murdoch in the taglines of our episodes until this Till the body is exhumed? No, so till, uh, till, till we have more shit, uh, you know, the pertinent shit that comes out. So, we're not so you're gonna, saying next week. <laughs> yeah, right. And because I know y'all are sick of fucking Murdoch, but this kid being, uh, hopefully it wasn't right. Okay, speaking of things that, uh, that come up, a quick corrections and retractions. Yes, hey, we're now, we're off of the sad stuff in the beginning and... We're off of Murdoch. Let's do some real life, real crime daily shit. Okay, but first we have to do some corrections and retractions. Yeah, yeah. That, that, right. So I would like this to. This is real life, real crime daily shit. I would like to apologize to our listeners in the great state of Mississippi who were uh, led to believe that the story uh, that was carried out on Facebook Live between Khadija and uh, her husband, that tragic event uh, the other day, uh, I described it as happening in Lowndes. County, Georgia. It actually happened in Lowndes County, Mississippi. Apologies. Shout out to our people in Lowndes County, Mississippi. I've been there. LC is what I call it. Okay. LC. The retraction I would like to mandate is for my friends that participate in the show, namely (laughs) Mr. Overton and Mr. Chapman and everyone out there in real life, real crime, daily land. No more Joey Buttafuoco crap. Come on. Okay, I, I got to say one more, and then I no. well, I'll promise. Some fan put up a, a lifer sending in a picture of them with Joey Buttafuoco back in the in the eighties. Uh, I mean, I guess when he was a celebrity, I, before selfies were selfies, like it was like old. Uh, you know, nine millimeter camera shot or whatever, and they post and say, "Hey, this tell, tell Mike this is me and Jody Buttafuoco." Well, I'm glad you were there for his 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> he is he is blackballed from social media coverage and from mention. All right. on this show, no more Joey Buttafuoco, Mike comparisons. All right, we can move on. We we will retract all that shit. All right, all right. So Nord's <laughs> Earlobe biter sentenced to prison. You know, listen to this shit. You can't make this up. The truth is always strange. Truth is always stranger in fiction. An Oregon woman has been sentenced to more than five years in prison after biting off part of a security guard's earlobe while stealing merchandise from a Nordstrom store last year. Security guard stopped Ashley Ruth Clark. 31 years old, attempting to leave Nordstrom at Washington Square Mall in Teagard on whatever, with over $800 worth of items that she did not pay for. Uh, but Clark resisted the guards and yelled obscenities at them as they attempted to recover the stolen goods. 
During the scuffle, Clark bit one of the guards, chewing off at least a half inch of the earlobe. The victim was rushed to the hospitals, but doctors were unable to reattach the earlobe. I'm having flashbacks of Mike Tyson Holyfield. As Clark was arrested, she gave a false name and a date of birth to officers who later learned that she had two outstanding warrants for her arrest. Clark pleaded guilty to second-degree assault and first-degree attempted robbery on Friday, whatever. She was, she was given a sentence of 70 months in prison, followed by three years of post-prison supervision at her release. Right? Can't make that up. And... I need to reach out to her because I need to know if it tastes like pork or chicken. Well, speaking of what it tastes like, I mean, if you, you think flesh. about that, the, the, the fact that they were unable to reattach it. So, I mean, years ago, uh, 1980 or so, I had a, a buddy who you know lost his thumb while he was doing donuts uh, in a truck that yeah. ended up turning over and they were able to reattach his, hey. his thumb and so when they say chewing, yeah, they, meant they literally she, meant, they meant she was mangling. chewing it. Hey, yeah, look, because if it came hey, off in one clean bite, they, put, they could reattach they that put thing easily. Lorena Bobbitt's husband's dick back on. Yeah, it was, so, a, it was not a big, it wasn't a Well, big it doesn't thing. matter. They put it back on. Well, so, but I, I agree. When they say mangled, she must have got on that mug. And she, I, she really got the flavor profile. I got to reach out to her. Yeah, no, I mean, I Because, you know, when you do the autopsy and you cut people open, the fat really is like this yellow, yellow, orange stuff. And all the animals I've skinned, the fat's always been white. So I'm wondering if the fat makes it taste different. So I don't know how much fat's in the earlobe. It can't but be God. But I, 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 I've never had an autopsy where they sliced open the earlobe. But every, every rest of your body fat's yellow. Yeah, well, I, I, I just I, like. I think that the tell there was the chewing off in the yeah. in the in the story. Good Tyson, to her. Uh, well, I guess Holyfield never didn't press charges against Mike, but then again, Mike didn't have eight hundred dollars worth of uh, worth of stolen items. Uh, right, right. On to a a a little sadder case. Some human remains were found in a West Central Illinois storage unit, and they have been identified as those of a former police chief the remains were discovered actually last fall and they just now got identified as the remains of richard r young 71 he was the former manquan village police chief uh and that is coming straight from the knox county sheriff's office marcy oglesby 50 of Manquan has been charged with first-degree murder and concealing the death of a person in this case. She has pled not guilty and remains in custody at the Knox County Jail. The sheriff's office received confirmation of the identity Tuesday after taking DNA from the composed remains and comparing it to samples from Young's relatives. The remains were found October 7, 7, 2022 at a storage uh, unit in Knox County and Oglesby claimed that the smell was boom, Jim at a storage unit in Knox County after folks were complaining of an odor coming from the storage unit. Uh, Oglesby claimed the smell was from a possum that had previously died in the unit. Eventually Oglesby admitted that there was a body inside a large box, uh, but she had previously refused to open for police. It's not clear how Young died, 
but uh, a toxology report shows a high level of a toxic chemical found in eye drops was found in Young's system. Knox County Sheriff's Department Detective Jeremy Moore testified last month that Oglesby had reportedly been in a relationship with Young. And we're going to post a picture of former Sheriff uh, Richard Young on on Facebook for you guys. Crazy. Maybe she should have, when people were reporting the smell, maybe she should have gotten it out of there. Yeah. Uh, Who knows? Oh, prisons are full of dummies. Yes, they are. Well, you know, she couldn't spring four hundred bucks for a freezer to put them in and plug it in inside the thing. Harassment is a big problem in this country. Do you guys agree with that? I agree. We hear lots of stories about harassment. I agree. I think this next story is a form of harassment you guys will never have heard of prior to now. All right, I'm guessing, but I think that's the case. This is a story about 33 swimmers who have been charged with dolphin harassment. Hey. Dolphin. Dolphin harassment. Dolphin, like the mammal? The mammal. All right. Flipper. This is about harassing Flipper. Let me tell you something. My all-time favorite mammal or animal, I would say, is a dolphin. I've swam with the dolphins. I love them. I love being underwater. Somebody harassing dolphins, they better not be in the state of Louisiana. I'm going to make a phone call and get somebody. Get well, some you may not know, but you, depending on where you're trying to swim with dolphins, you may be breaking the law. So here's what happened. Hawaiian authorities on Tuesday referred 33 people to U.S. law enforcement after the group allegedly harassed a pod of wild spinner dolphins in waters off the Big Island of really? Hawaii. It is against federal law to swim within 50 yards of spinner dolphins in Hawaii's nearshore waters. The prohibition went into effect in 2021. So these people may very well not have been aware of it. Uh, I don't think any of us were aware of it. Um, uh, The prohibition went into effect because there were concerns that so many tourists were swimming with dolphins that the nocturnal animals, which I didn't realize they were nocturnal animals weren't getting the rest they need during the day to be able to forage for food at night. Mm. The rule applies to areas within two nautical miles of the Hawaiian coastland and uh, uh, the state department of land and natural resources said in a news release that its enforcement officers came upon the 33 swimmers in, Oh, I get to do a Hawaiian pronunciation. Hanawanua Bay on Sunday during a routine Patrol, please do not write me from Hawaii. I know the odds are like five in you know, like five percent hey, hey, chance I got that right. Hey, you're behind the microphone. You're gonna get you're gonna get shut. Okay. Yeah. Aerial footage shot by drone shows the snorkelers following the dolphins as they swam away. The department said its video and photos showed swimmers who quote appear to be aggressively pursuing, corralling, and harassing the pod. That's just stupid. Enforcement officers contacted the group while they were in the water. And told them about the violation. Uniformed officers met with the swimmers on land where state and federal officials launched a joint probe. A joint probe of the uh, swimmers. Now, (laughs) Hawaii's spinner dolphins feast on fish and small crustaceans. And they do this when they surface, when the small fish and crustaceans surface from the ocean's depths at night. 
When the sun rises, they head for shallow bays to hide from tiger sharks and other predators. We're going to post this picture of these spinner dolphins because I've got a uh, real-life, real-crime daily fun fact. Scientists believe that spinner dolphins spin for several reasons, including communication, removing parasites— so they get up there and spin to get those moray off shower. And everything, and simply for the fun of it. So spinner dolphins are about six and a half feet long with a long, thin snout and can make as many as seven rotations at a time. To the untrained eye, the dolphins appear to be awake during the day because they're swimming. This was news to me. But because they sleep by resting half of their brains and keeping the other half awake to surface and breathe, they may be sleeping even when they're maneuvering through the water. Man, I, I think, you know, if there's... That's like you drive it truth, in from if your there's, If there's truth to the, you know, uh, to, uh, the theory of evolution, then I think what, that... You didn't hear what I No, said. I totally heard it, and I agree <laughs> that I certainly uh, can think of times where I think I'm operating on half a brain and, we're, and the uh, rest is sleeping. The people in the audience might say, like, at this very moment. Um <laughs> I forgot what I wrote. <laughs> I wrote. I wrote, crime on the islands has dropped since the cancellation of Hawaii Five O, and apparently Steve McGarrett was looking for something to do. McGarrett is leading the investigation. There you go. Spinner hey, dolphins. let me tell you, I, I was in Maui uh, last year with Shane McBride and, and Tracy and them, and um, when I say y'all, uh, I swim on, I didn't mean like they, these assholes. I'm talking about when I'm diving, et cetera, and I get to see them, but uh, my other one's, um, my other favorite, my absolute favorite creature, even more than dolphins, is, is the sea turtles. And so you'll see them swimming. And you don't go near them, right? They had this monster middle of the daytime. Could just I, I saw I'd seen it. I was uh, snorkeling around with Shane, and I saw it. And I was like, that's the biggest turtle I've ever seen. I, much bigger than the ones in the Caribbean, and it came up on the beach. During the daytime, and shit, people like almost suffocated. I, I wanted to go in there and start knocking people out, give this damn thing some ring. He just wanted to hang out on the beach for a minute. I guess it's like these spinners. Some office. of those turtles are famous, though. Some of those resorts there, and they charge for the really? pictures. Yeah. So that turtle's got probably the one, if he was that big, he's probably got a nice bank account. But he doesn't have a, a house as nice as yours. <laughs> probably doesn't want to <laughs> I, live I on, dry, on dry land. Hey, fuck them. They should have got a ticket. I'm okay. Sorry. Uh, Today's yeah, mammal man. report is over. All right. Hey, that was a good one. All right, y'all. First of all, dun, 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 dun. this is what I want. I want our fans to send in music intro. Just pop in my head. Music intro, ideas or themes or something y'all think should open these two segments. Dumbest criminal segments and... The, uh, the state crime, crime. crime, and then and we'll pick the winners, right? Right, and and it posted on on the real life real crime daily page, and we're about to tell y'all we're gonna have a real life real crime daily website and all other kinds of stuff coming up. So, so but for now, we use dun, 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 dun. <laughs> whatever, whatever. All right, dumbest criminal segment, and y'all, come on, man. Uh, all right, this is called. Alleged stoner stopped after wild car chase whips out license from Lego Legoland. 
A driver who was arrested for reckless driving had officers in stitches after producing a license from Legoland. The driver was pursued and arrested for a multitude of offenses last week, according to the Kent PD, which apprehended the 21-year-old motorist following an epic chase. The fiasco began after officers attempted to pull over an Audi A7 they had observed maneuvering recklessly all over the road. However, the driver refused and resulted in a 35-mile chase. They were even forced to call in other agencies to aid with the pursuit. Eventually, the pursuing officers caught up with a knucklehead after he ran out of gas whereupon they found a large stash of marijuana in his car. Imagine that. And they asked him, license registration? He whipped out a Legoland license. Hell yeah, what's wrong with that? Dumb criminal segments. Insert your listener music, and whoever's going to win it now. My license is from Legoland. <laughs> no, my license is Legoland. Have you guys ever been to Legoland? Yes, actually, uh, I have. Negative, I've not been to Lego. My son loved Legos when my, he my was. My son still loves young. Legos, and uh, and we used to we when we would go to Disney World, we would make a stop by Lego Land. Disney Land, it's actually pretty cool. Is it, Disney World, is they is have it, one in Orlando. Is it There's in, a Lego Land in yes. Orlando. Oh, yeah. I uh, it's actually I a, that was what is it? Tampa. Yeah, I, it might be in Tampa, but it's. It's like well, a it's 30 Kissimmee. minute drive. It's Kissimmee. Kissimmee. I used to live there. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, Work security at a golf course many, many, many moons ago. And if they must not have had it in, if they did, I was drunk and I passed it up. Yeah. All right. right. That was a great dumb criminal segment. That was That's great. all I had to say. The cops did not accept the Legoland license. I take it. Yeah. I take it. Hey, you see the ones where um, during COVID when they pull people over and the dude wrote, uh, I have COVID 19. They were ordering them out of the car and he wrote it on the piece of paper and put it, I have COVID 19. I'm not getting out of the car. Yeah. It's official. Yeah, that really didn't <laughs> did work. Did that work for anyone? Uh, no. He's got skull drug. All right. So, you know what time it is? It's. Today in true crime history for March 31st. Insert your winter music here. Yeah, that's right. So just a couple of them today. The body of a Hispanic woman is found in Santiago Park, California. She had been stabbed. She was about 28 and may have had a laparoscopy at some point. Laparoscopy? What the hell is that? I don't know. What is that, Mike? Some sort uh, of another mispronunciation. No, no, it's a, uh, a, a laparoscopic surgery. It's some kind of fat removal uh, deal. It's a make me skinny surgery. A fat suction. Yeah. Well, her case has not been solved, and her identity is still unknown. So they, even uh-huh. with all this science, they don't they don't know who she is. Now, twenty nineteen, and this is a little. This is something people need to heed. Twenty nineteen, Samantha Josephine is murdered in South Carolina. Her death resulted in the passage of Sammy's Law, which improved protections for those utilizing rideshare services. Josephine mistakenly entered a car she believed was her Uber. I remember that. Yeah, so that's you know that's with why all they this. start making with the lights and shit on the dash. Boom, boom! I don't want to get killed on this. Boom! I'm sorry. Hey, uh, I'm not even close, Mike. Uh, no, you don't have to boom it. This, this is real life, real crime daily. No, 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 no. I do For, not want to. Yeah, yeah, I do yeah, not I want, want to be it. subjected to this. Yeah. <laughs> so, laparoscopic surgery is an operation performed in the abdomen or pelvis using small incisions with the aid of a camera. The laparoscope aids diagnosis or uh, therapeutic interventions with a few small cuts in the abdomen. Oh, so yeah, you were way off. So it's a- <laughs> and uh, that's, that 
listeners is the next thing you come back is Mike on because we can't do it on. Beep, beep. Refer to him as Dr. Mike from now on. <laughs> you know we're not taking this surgery. out. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do you have a thing against people that have fat surgery, Mike? Well, this wasn't. <laughs> hang on. See, I don't they, think it's they, called fat surgery anyway. See, there are all kinds of types of things you use a laparoscope for. So, um, uh, but I, it's not fat surgery. Definitely not. And to okay, all right. Let me. So, let me get and we're not hating on anybody that has any type of procedure, uh, but might got that shit wrong. <laughs> Bring back Joey Buttafuoco. Oh, you said it. I said beep beep. I was gonna say it. All right. So um, that is our today in true crime history. From insert, March insert your winter music here. Thirty first. Dun, dun, dun. Now we want to make y'all aware of of one thing. We have a, a supporter of really all the things we do, whether it's bloody and gold, real life, real crime, real life, real crime daily, you name it. And her name is Lisa Marks, and she is awesome, and she is also a member of a group called Cajuns Against Cancer. Yes. Um, And they are holding this weekend, April 1st and 2nd, the Cajun Woodstock 2023. Now, you may wonder what that is. It is a a a big, big event. It takes place in Church Point, Louisiana. Um, Heart of Cajun country. Heart of Cajun country. And they support all things uh, to do with St. Jude Children's Hospital. Yes, shout Uh, out to them. They have everything from cook-offs, which, trust me, if you're in Church Point, baby, you are loving the food, right? I got got to judge a St. Jude's cook-off a couple weekends ago. Yeah, they're going to have a lot of live auctions uh, throughout both Saturday and Sunday, April 1st and 2nd. They even have a car and truck show that's going to be that day. They've got a bunch of booths. So if you have yeah. a minute and you're in the Louisiana area, go to Church Point, uh, support the children of St. Jude. Weather's going to be great. Weather's going to be great. Get out and do it. And Lisa, we love you, and and um, and we love St. Jude's. So, y'all. Children of St. Jude, you can't, you can't find a better charity support. Speaking that. of children. I'm going to get teared up. I'm kind of teary out here, boys. Uh-oh. I have, in the podcast world now, I have what I consider to be three children. Shit, for a second, I thought you were going to tell me Cindy was pregnant. No. Because yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of me. I, 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 yeah, I I stealth- Speaking of children, I, I was not yeah, in the I stealth her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, uh, not because of me, because of them. I'm too old. Well, maybe I'm not too old. I don't know. But, uh, no, I didn't get snipped. No, snip. no, no ain't nobody old. ever snipping my shit. Uh, I, I don't care. I, I, that's not happening. Uh, uh, that that's that shit. You're my under, shit is for Cindy. My shit is for Cindy only. <laughs> that uh, yeah, but you never have to wrap it again. I, I didn't say I wrapped it anyway. What you got to say, big dog? All right, right, right. what I'll say is this. I have three children in the podcast world. My first and oldest is Real Life Real Crime. My second born is Bloody Angola. With me. 
right, with my daddy <laughs> Jim Chapman. Daddy Jim Chapman. That's, that's our baby, right? So, <laughs> that's right. And you've got a bunch of babies, I know. But the uh, podcast babies I'm talking about. Yeah. And no, I'm so of proud <laughs> of my third child, which I share with Mike Agavino, not to be confused with beep, beep anymore because I'm not saying that person's <laughs> name. And, and Gemini's second child together, Real Life, Real Crime Daily. And it's been such a smashing success um, that – we're kicking it out of the house. <laughs> yeah, almost, I almost want to say it, but I don't want to say it like that because the, the the bloody Angola, we did it separate, right? But we did real life, real crime daily together, and y'all, it's 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 got its own legs now. It's grown up faster than anybody in the world ever thought it would, and it, so we are going to. S- Basically, kick not kick it. <laughs> we're gonna make we're, we're giving it, it its own own leg, own home. Its own. It's going leg. out and buying a it's new house. To, yeah, yeah. It, it already graduated college. That's it, right? And and it. and, and so, it's making tons of money. So what that means is, <laughs> I don't know anything yeah. about this show, but I know it didn't graduate <laughs> yeah. from college. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Right. It probably didn't spell college, but the, <laughs> the all the you, you get the crime knowledge from the college that is this show. But what I'm saying is this, y'all. Um, we're gonna we're gonna start really telling you about this because uh, a week from Monday, I think the date is at, um, Real Life Real Crime Daily is going on its own feed. Now, what does that mean? It means you will not get it. Um, an alert if you're signed up for Real Life Real Crime and, and you get the alerts every day? It won't be on Real Life Real Crime's feed right. at all. Right. So it's, when we say feed, what we what we mean yeah, is it will be its own show. Right. You will, you will need to go. So this is important for those of you that love Real Life Real Crime daily and you're yeah, subscribed through that, Real Life Real Crime. Right. You you all you need to do is go and we'll have these links. We're, We're gonna, gonna promote the heck out of this. We do everything. All you're gonna do is go to that real life real crime daily show and you know set it to download to your phone if that's what you do, or set it to alert you if that's what you do. Yeah. Uh, as well, new all, episodes, all you have drop. to do though is the key word to remember is subscribe. Right, right, right. Click subscribe. So, but you you know what if if. That first day comes, and a lot of it's going to happen. And you, it's Monday morning. And you want your RRC daily fix, and it's you go to the feed, and it's not there. Guess what? We're starting to educate you now. You you play the way you practice, right? So you can even just go to anywhere you listen to a podcast in the world and type in "real life, real crime daily," and guess what? Boom! You'll have it there. Boom! Pow, and it but not today. Don't start going today. there today. Not today. Yeah. We'll, go, hey, this we'll is, let you know. When we're gonna we're gonna start educating you. We're gonna give you the college from the knowledge. We are so proud of our child that's now a young adult. And Shoot, you got to let it fly. Forward, that's it. Right. It just got a new job and. Yeah. It is ready to blossom. You think it's still going to and come look, we want to thank place. y'all because we never could have no, yeah, done this. Real, we never, real, never could have been confident with and, moving this to another feed if it weren't we for never all even of your support. Really, dream that it would it would uh, get to this point, right? right? And 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 so it's, it was a very proud moment. I, I'm proud. I know. I think y'all are proud, and and we want we thank y'all so much. 
and we can't wait to see where it goes. And this, y'all, it, it gives it when it, when you say its own legs. The uh, when you go do it, it we get a lot of reviews underneath Real Life Real Crime that are for Real Life Real Crime Daily. You even be able to go review it and yeah. and, and and not get the two shows confused. Basically, is what 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 it boils down to, right? Mike, Mike, any thoughts other than drawing Mike's the Empire State Building? Simpler way to criticize what Mike brings <laughs> to the show. So Mike's um, got Mike's kind of sensitive. <laughs> you can find it at the URL joeybutafuco.com. Hey, y'all bust his ass all you want to because he <clears throat> makes funny entertainment. That's right. Right. And he said the JB word three times since he said we weren't saying anything. I wonder if we could get Joey Butafuco on the show. No, no, no. <laughs> For a remote interview with Mike, shit on that, and we want to. Hey, hey we, 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 first of all, my we, we my Italian brothers have had a rough week. Uh, if you haven't noticed, ever who, since who ever since uh, Mr. Trump decided that uh, Mr. DeSantis would have been working in a pizza parlor, had he, <laughs> oh had my he, god, had he not gotten him the, uh, oh the nomination god. for governor, which is a first. Did, in did you see um, political? You remember Mark History. Cuban made that joke about, he said, I wouldn't give him a job at a, at a, at a Dairy Queen. And he caught so much shit for it. He wouldn't work the whole day at the Dairy Queen. <laughs> Who did he say that about Trump? Said, no, 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 no. He says, said it about, he was like, he, he was like pissed off about something. He oh, said, okay. I wouldn't give them a job at Dairy Queen and Dairy Queen employees took offense at it. So he actually went and said Dairy Queen worked the whole Well, show. this should be a national day of revolt for anyone working at a pizza parlor, it's I agree. A, it is a, um, it is a, an absolute slam on all Italian Americans, hey, and I just who doesn't like pizza, pizza and tacos. Well, no, I know they're not related. Everybody likes, but I, I really don't see DeSantis, a guy with. A, I, why I, not? What's I, wrong with? I, I don't even know. He's a Yale graduate with a Harvard law degree. I, I don't even know who that pizza is. Pizza Hut. In so uh, a lot of people Dunning, like me Florida. don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's that. I do know who he is. I'm just. And then there's that. <laughs> just mess with you. I, know, right. I know you feel for me. I Look, know there are people. Out I love. There I love busting the chops, sympathy. man. I love what. Uh, hey, you know, again, fellas. So proud of what we've done. Yeah. So proud of where we're going. Thank y'all again. We love and appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you, Taylor. Show business. New bit. New business. <laughs> Thank you, yeah, thank you, you Alex. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, thanks, Murray. Thank, thank you, Taylor. Thank you, Trump. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> thank you, Joe Buttafuoco. <laughs> All right. All right we, we've had enough we fun. Go. For, go. That's right. We've been going a long time. So until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Joe, oh, Joe Woody Overton. <laughs> and I'm a pizza parlor worker. And Mike's the whipping stick. <laughs> for real life, real crime daily. Peace. Peace. Show business. Show business.